Habits are not a finish line to be crossed. They are a lifestyle to be lived. Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Don Raffa, and join with me today is my co-host, Anthony Dana. Greetings and salutations, everyone. How are you doing today, Anthony? I'm doing great, and today we're going to talk about habits. I'm really looking forward to this show. Right. So we came up with this idea because we were each reading a book on habits and we decided it would be a good topic to delve into today. So do you have a quote for me? Yes, I do. So my quote is from the book that I'm reading and I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. And the quote I have is, sorry, let me put my glasses on. There we go. Habits are not a finish line to be crossed. They are a lifestyle to be lived. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Raffo, how do you interpret that quote? What does it mean to you? Well, when I talk to people about habits, they usually think more readily of bad habits. Oh, these are my bad habits and my vices, not the good habits. But instead of calling it a habit, like I'm going on a diet or I'm quitting smoking or snacking or whatever, it can become something you do every day and it becomes incorporated as part of your lifestyle choices and it becomes habitual, I guess, mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, this is like a temporary thing and it becomes part of your everyday life and you repeatedly do it, then it is, it's kind of a second thought. Yeah, well, or, or not even a thought. You do it, you don't even realize you're doing it. Right, like automatically you just do these things like eating healthy or not snacking or exercising is a big one too. Yeah, yeah I think it plays more, for me, it plays more on the, on the positive, you know, like when we people, like you said, when people think of habits, most I think most people think of bad habits that they have, and then also the good habits are too much of a hassle. But Or the good habit is the opposite of the bad habit. Okay. You know okay. I mean? yeah. Like, I'm eating junk food, now I have to eat healthy food, and that's my good habit. Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. okay. And what's your quote? Okay, sure. For? Mine is surprisingly similar to yours. Okay. I guess quotes on habits are crossing over. Depending on what they are, our habits will either make us or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. And this is by Sean Covey. So okay. what, do you, what is your interpretation of that quote? Yeah, like you said, it's very similar. We are what we do. Kind of like actions speak louder than words. So, you know, our habits, uh, you know, or who we are, you know, um, or who we want to be, want to become. become. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the pros and the cons of it. Right. It reminds me of like things in moderation. Something that's too extreme could easily become a bad habit, like over-exercising, you know, being overly stringent with dietary restrictions or never having a piece of chocolate. Like things in moderation can be okay for the most part, but most things to the extreme could be dysfunctional, I'd say. So today is going to be a little bit different than the norm. Instead of a Q&A, since we both have books that we want to talk about a little bit today, it's going to be a little bit of a book review in the sense that we're just going to talk about what each of us took from the book that we read and what stayed with us and, and what we want to talk about. So with my book, James Clear, Atomic Habits, I'll begin with the first idea and then we can bounce it back and forth and you can go over your book. Um, first thing I took from this book is he talks about the idea that Massive success requires massive action is a popular idea, but not an accurate one. Small choices can compound to toxic results 
or positive results in the long run. And the one example that he gives that I think all of us can relate to is good habits can make time your ally, bad habits can make time your enemy. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So what do you take from the idea that in order to have massive success, your action needs to be mm. huge? And um, Well, I'm thinking that, or did he say that that is a definite? No, no, or he says that's that that's a, that's a popular, a it's, it's a popular idea, oh, but yeah, he yeah. says it's, it's, it's very, not it's not true. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I exactly what I was thinking. Okay. Um, kind of similar. So my, my book is by Gretchen Rubin. It's called Better Than Before. And the reason I liked this author was she wrote The Four Tendencies. And I, I'll get into that later. But what I was going to talk about was how this was relative to CBT, about how people's beliefs and thinking and myths get in the way of their um, ideas, which then create these behaviors, which then could be habits. So people often think like, oh, this individual is so successful. They must have done a million things to get there. Well, maybe, maybe it's just a bunch of habits, small habits over and over again. Is that what you're thinking too? Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be this massive. Well, I, and I think people, it's it's a good thing that this is the way it is. People psych themselves out in order to be successful. You know, in order to lose weight, I need to eat. Okay, so I need to exercise every day, and I need to eat chicken breasts, and that's it. And then I and you it's like, well, nobody's going to do that. No, then, no, no, no. And what they often see is their end result. Oh, that person is so fit and healthy. They don't see the you know the light, the commitment, just, right. the small steps to get to that place. And really, I think that's what's uh, builds success is a little bit at a time. Getting right. people to commit to a small action first. Let's just do that for five minutes. Just eat a healthy snack next time you eat a snack. Yeah. Not Monday next time. I might overuse this quote because I might have said in past podcasts, the devil is in the details. Mm -hmm. It's the little things that do mean a lot. There's a lot of examples of that. And here's a perfect one with adopting good habits for success. He also talks about, I don't know if, the, if uh, what's your author's name again? Gretchen. Gretchen. Yeah. Okay. She talks about what's known as latent potential. I didn't know what this was. And latent potential is, mm -hmm. it refers to the powers of, or possibilities existing, but hidden or not yet actualized. It's not yet self-actualized. And also it goes into people's doubt and beliefs that they can't be a writer. They can't be a painter. They can't be a business owner. It's like this untapped potential, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He talks about that too. So one of the things I just wanted to mention, she had highlighted these um, loopholes, like these beliefs that people tell themselves in order to justify behaviors. So moral <laughs> licensing is one. I don't know if you're guilty of any of these. You can What's <laughs> So moral licensing, what's that? I've been so good at dieting, I can take a day off. I work hard, so I deserve to indulge in this peanut butter pie. Oh, so it's, it's basically so it's giving morality, you... morality. Like, okay. Like, I am such a good student, I don't have to study. I don't know. Like, it's just... Justifying, Justifying bad behavior. Justifying bad behavior. Right, right, right. Now, which can work if you're a moderator, which I'll mention what that is later. But false choice loophole. I've been too busy to make those appointments. No, no, no. I can't. I have to do one or the other. Mm -hmm. I'm too busy doing all these things to do something good or something healthy. Okay. Lack of control. I've never been able to resist, so I'm just going to eat right. dessert. Why, why bother trying? Yeah, now? why bother trying? I can't yeah. control. Or, or you know what's an, uh, Here's a great one, and I, I've been guilty of this. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. you know. Like, eh. it's just, it's already been, I did, it's already The tube set. is out of the toothpaste. It's too late to change. You're too old to change. Right. Yeah. Okay, so arranging to fail is another loophole. I will check my email before going to the gym. So you get sidetracked doing all your emails, paying your bills. Ah, now it's too late to go to the gym. So, nah, I'm just going <laughs> to fail. I'm not going to go. Setting yourself up for failure, so to speak. Mm -hmm. This one's great. This doesn't count because you're on vacation. 
It's the holiday season. I can overspend. I can overindulge. This doesn't count. I um, overeat over every, anything. Right, right, right. I don't have to exercise. I'm on right. vacation. It's, yeah. Right. Okay. So there's a few more. So questionable assumption loophole. I've already showered, so I can't work out too late. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Forget about it. I'm not going to go. And it's too late now. Kind of like the too late. This one's great. Concern for others, kind of blaming the other person. I'm not buying the junk food for me. It's for the kids. I need to have it because they'll be disappointed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I need to have the. Or if uh, I do, if I do eat, I bought this for you. And if it wasn't in the house, I'm uh, so tempted now. It's in the cabinet. I don't want to disappoint you. So kind of putting it on that. Or if I try to quit smoking, my family's going to be irritable and complain. And I don't want to put them through that. So I'm just going to keep smoking. Yeah, okay. Fake self-actualization loophole. I'm afraid of missing out. So FOMO. Life is too short not to live a little. So kind of like I deserve it, just like the moral licensing. So that reminded me very much of cognitive behavioral therapy because of the distortions and justifications that people tell themselves in order to maintain bad habits. I guess you could use it for powers of good too, for good habits, right? Right. I identified with the gym because for years I've always thought to myself, well, if I can't get in there and if I can't do a solid hour or I'm not going to have exactly. enough time, right. why, bother? why bother? I need to be motivated and I need to like find inspiration. I need to be, I need to be in a good mindset. But in all, actu- these, all these assumptions. Yeah, but in actuality, exciting. I've come to find going to the gym puts me in yeah. a good mm-hmm. mindset. And mm-hmm. I always feel better walking out because I got myself there. And this mm-hmm. is just me because I tend to be a gym rat at times. But And also, just getting to the gym, and I've always said this, well, not always, but lately, in the last 10 years, even if I get in there for 25 minutes, 30 minutes, if I do a crappy workout, it's better than no workout at all. Mm -hmm. I feel better walking out. And with the shower thing, because you said, Mm -hmm. you know, if I take a shower, I can I noticed there are habits that make me just a better person throughout the day, not less cranky and irritable with um, others and myself. But if I don't get up, Rarely, if I don't get up and get a shower immediately, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to go to the gym and then I'll get a shower after. I'll take two showers a day. People fixate on that. Like, oh, oh God, yeah. I already took a shower. Yeah. It's not a crime. You don't have to take more than right. one shower a day. It can happen, you know? Right. It's this like boxing yourself into these if thens, you know, like I have to have this perfect setup in order to then, well, if I can't get a 20 minute workout in. So oftentimes with behavioral activation, I help people just do it for five minutes. Just do whatever it is that you are trying to change change or you want to change five, just commit to five minutes. And most likely that five minutes turns into 15 and 20. Cause are you really going to go to the gym for five minutes? Maybe. I mean, maybe well, once you're there, well, if you're driving there, probably not. If it's right downstairs, you know, in your hotel lobby, then that's mm-hmm. different. Or if it's in your house, like you have a cool Peloton, then maybe that's different. You'll go on for five minutes, but most likely you can get people to commit to the low lying kind of like ask you know, low-lying fruit, all right, five minutes, that's fine. But yeah, people don't realize how their beliefs get in the way of their behaviors. All right, um, let me go to another thing that I took from my book. Mm-hmm. He references the idea that habits often appear to make no difference until you cross a critical threshold and unlock a new level of performance. And what I took from this and how I interpreted this is habits build and build and build. It's it's like a system, like you work mm-hmm. on your system. Don't focus on winning the, cha- yeah, yeah, focus on winning the championship, but really the process. Pro- yeah, the more the emphasis on the system, on practice, on Building the routine. When you do that, then, you know, because people, successful people become successful because of all those little things that they do day after day after day. And right. um, it isn't just one get rich quick kind of scheme. Right. Know? And then when they do 
hit that success, the taste of success that they've been trying to gain, other people who haven't been watching them or know what they've been going through. Oh, wow, look at you. You just came out of nowhere. No, no, no. I've been working at this for a long time. You have no idea, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to explain it to you. Sure, fine. Mm -hmm. A lot of people make things look easy. And sometimes it maybe because they are that talented and they, but then a lot of times it's a lot of hard work that you don't don't see, that you don't ever see. You don't see the journey in the behind. And they're not going to, you know, complain to you because it's not who they are. Or uh, sometimes it becomes second nature. I know this is often asked of me with my success, I guess, in my practices is like new people walking in, whether it's a patient or a therapist working for me. Wow. How did you get to this point? And they see all the positives and not the blood, sweat and tears. People who've been with me from the beginning know the ins and outs of building a practice and the the ups and downs and the possible failures here and there. And And they just see the end result. And most people don't want to hear about that because it sounds like hard work. There's a great quote from Thomas Edison and he said, opportunity, again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing right now, but something to the effect of opportunity is often missed by most people because it's wearing overalls and it looks like hard work. <laughs> and yeah, because it's not very attractive. You know, most people know what they have or that it's not going to be easy. Yeah. You know, another one was success doesn't have an elevator. You have to take the stairs, yeah. you know, and exactly. I like that one too. I, I think I saw that one somewhere. Yeah. It's the build up to it. And I've seen this with, you know, children obviously have these idealism ideas of athletes or even just celebrities or singers. Like they just automatically have an amazing voice. No, there's only a few who are naturally talented that can just sing acoustic, you know, they have to work to train their craft and their skill. And also there's a studio that clearly produces it differently than what they sound like in person. But kids see this person as an athlete and they're so amazing and not seeing what they had to do to practice every single day, like Tom Brady or Julian Edelman. Sure, sure. yeah. Yeah. What they had to do to get to that place or whatever their favorite athlete may be. I'm going to look up. Is there a phrase I might identify with this term? Somebody who is just enamored with quotes because I'm a big quote. A quotophile. A a quotophile, (laughs) a a a quotaholic. I don't know, but another one was I think when we were talking about doing this podcast and we were, we were talking about different athletes and I remember watching this old sports century on Jerry Rice mm-hmm. and at the end of it and I love this quote and I don't know who came up with it I don't know if it was Jerry Rice's quote I don't know if it was a writer or sports writer but it referenced Jerry Rice's career and it was talent turns into genius within the crucible of self-discipline mm-hmm. and that to me it's exactly what you're talking about but what both these books are kind of talking, not kind of, they are talking about to me. Yeah. And people will often say, well, you know, oh, I'm just not disciplined enough. And that reminds me of Gretchen Rubin in her book. She talks about internal and external accountability. So the four tendencies she mentions, by the way, are obliger, rebel, questioner, and upholder. So an upholder is someone who has internal accountability. They are pretty disciplined and they are accountable just to themselves. It doesn't matter if they promise somebody else, if they say they're going to get up and do yoga at 6 a.m., they're going to do it going to write a book, they're going to do it. An obliger is someone who needs external accountability. So they have to say to their friend, I'm going to go to the gym at five o'clock. And because they have that verbal commitment and contract, they're going to do it. They're good employees. They're good team players, but they need to have an accountability buddy. Maybe they go to the gym together, do it for the team, that kind of thing. So is there one that you should try to aspire to become, or does she say, it's okay, it's okay. You can be any of these four, just identify, know who you are and then make it work and work with what you got. Well, so we like categories, right? As psychologists, especially, or even as human beings, putting people in categories and taking quizzes to see what you are. Supposedly, 
we are one of these. Now, she also did some hybrids. You could be a questioner rebel, and that becomes a little tricky, but that was in her first book. Usually, that's your tendency. It's not set in stone, but you trend default mode towards that. So it's owning it, knowing, okay, having insight into, yeah, this is my tendency, and how can I, what tips can I use to, to be more functional and better in life? Like you said, you can kind of identify or emulate with a few of them because I, I notice I am like this certain days when this happens. Most of the time, I'm like this. What were the four again? Okay, so a obliger, rebel, questioner, right, and upholder, right. So I am 100% an upholder. Okay. Now, but there are some people that can say, I notice at times, and I like myself when I am the upholder, Mm -hmm. you know, I notice examples in my life that I have been, but I am too often an obliger. But if I can work with that, I could still be successful on a certain level and, you know, get, get through things. Yeah. I think honestly with you, I don't know. Like, I think you're kind of a hybrid. (laughs) You're a unique hybrid between, I think you ask a lot. Well, I didn't ask you to analyze me, but I was just, uh, I was just talking in in, in general, (laughs) but, but you can't help yourself. I can't. It happens in restaurants. You know what I mean? It's that tendency to notice what's going on around me. Well, what happens when you just like unknowingly eavesdrop on conversations or something? Well, you know, it's that habit of my skill and my psychology kind of spidey sense where I notice people's behaviors. I notice family dynamics and I notice, you know, like stimulus response, especially for families, obviously parents and children, you know, I can notice things with parenting, but it's one of those haphazards if I, it's happening around me. Human behavior is always happening. And I don't know if a doctor, a medical doctor, a dermatologist, this is always happening. Oh, I noticed that skin condition, maybe. And you don't even notice or why surgeon. you notice it. James Clear talks about that in his book. That's actually, it's, it's funny you say, because it's a good segue to something else he's talking talking about where habits become when you're doing them for so long, like in your profession, you don't even realize that you're doing it. You're just bored and you just happen to eavesdrop on a conversation, like you said. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of go, well, you know, I can kind of see this being the way, okay. And that, and again, it's only, it's what is a snapshot of what is really going on, but. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for families and family therapy, it's always a snapshot, enactment or reenactment of what's happening and at the home behind closed doors. And we can infer from that, that this is the dynamic in this family or in this relationship relationship between two people. I didn't have this in my notes, but I just remembered from Atomic Habits, there was a story. There was a gentleman and his daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law, I think if she was a nurse or she worked in the hospital and she just looked at her father-in-law, she said, I don't like the way you look. And lo and behold, he went to the hospital. He had to have surgery right away because apparently there was a clot and made him susceptible to a heart attack like any moment and, he had and a certain look, yeah. yeah, and she can't even like understand what it was just because she's seen it so many times. Probably, and, and yeah, and that's you know that's just exactly it's kind of an example of what you just mentioned and a lot of things that you know where habits just take over and you they don't become habits you don't even know it's an habit. yeah. And so while we're on that, I just want to touch on something else that he says that's in my book. So he talks about okay, here's a quote. He quotes a lot of psychologists and references a lot of CBT, CBT absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy by the name of he quotes. Jason Rhea, he's a behavioral scientist, and the quote is, reliable solutions to recurring problems are, oh, I'm sorry, habits reduce cognitive load and free up mental capacity so you can allocate your attention to other tasks. Mm-hmm. And so when you- It becomes rote. Right. It's, it's routine. And a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to be regimented with all these habits. I want to be spontaneous. And these habits become so ingrained that does free up- Later. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. It's convincing people because people like the immediate gratification. Like you mentioned before about going to the gym and then after a month, people have these expectations of I haven't lost weight. Well, 
there's the later on effect of you feel better, maybe you have more energy, you're sleeping better, you're losing inches, your clothes fit differently. But that's the buy-in is that, no, 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 it might be work, quote unquote, in the beginning to sustain these habits or create them, but then it becomes your own automatic pilot and it becomes routine for right. later and it becomes part of your identity, right? And your lifestyle, like our quote. But another thing I want to mention okay. is what you said about- I noticed that there's a lot of like, that reminds so, me of what I read here and yeah, it's, it goes back- and yeah. that that would happen yeah, sure. started this. So one of the strategies for creating habits is monitoring and scheduling. I'm a huge, huge fan of scheduling. I have to schedule, not in an overscheduled way, but there's certain things I do throughout the day that I schedule. And if it's on my calendar at one o'clock, I generally... 1 one fifteen. I do it at that time. And I want to put it on my schedule to be realistic. So I think that he may have mentioned this in the book too, that you schedule, I'm going to work out at five o'clock on Monday and I'm going to go for 20 minutes on my way home from work, pack a bag. So everything's in the bag to go. So there's no excuses not to go. Right. But if you schedule it, you're more likely to adhere to it. I'm going to call grandma at two o'clock mm-hmm. on Sunday. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go grocery shopping Sunday night when no one's really there, I'm going to do it. And you're more likely because of scheduling to get it done. So I do an activity called daily activity scheduling for monitoring purposes with patients or even just uh, like scheduling behaviors for behavioral change. So you're more likely to adhere to it if you commit on a calendar to doing it. And writing it down, I think, is important too. Oh, yeah. Well, that with everything. I have to write like everything down, like silly stuff. I think think all of us really need to do that with a lot of things in our lives. Um, It just, it's a good, it's a reinforcement. It's it's a good reinforcement. Okay, so what you mentioned before about freeing up space is so true to making decisions later because then it's the strategy of scheduling helps to eliminate decision making actually because now you don't have to think what decision, what am I doing this afternoon or what's my habit, nighttime routine or AM routine. You have more freedom. You have more freedom because the decision's already been made and you've already convinced yourself that this works for you. And by the way, I want to mention that all of these things need to be in line with values. Like what's the value of changing this habit? What are you getting out of doing it? There has to be a reinforcement for it, like a motivator. People have shoulds. I should quit smoking. I should stop eating chocolate. I should, 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 should. (laughs) And the external accountability people, the obligers will, I guess, do those things, which might not be a bad thing. But there has to be a reason. It's your family values. It's your health. It's your mental health. It's winning a race something mm-hmm. like that you know I don't know if this ties into what you just said but as far as like the should aspect of, of habits so one thing that he mentions clear mentions in his book is identity or mm-hmm. you know becomes your identity kind, yeah and how that can really make like he used examples like I don't want to write a book I want to become a writer I don't want to read a book I want to become a book reader yeah like yeah, yeah. and and uh, he uses a lot of other examples like that too right it becomes like you are the behavior right if you identify if you become if you identify as that the habits become easier and it's a more easier like I'm a non-smoker right that was a know? good he mentions that and he says instead of hey you, you want a cigarette oh no no I'm trying to smoke Smoke, as opposed to if you're still or trying to not, you know, or what did I say? Trying to smoke. No, no. You know, <laughs> trying you, to quit. I'm trying to quit. So, yeah. sorry. So. Like a bit one behavior. Out of yeah. Instead of saying, no, 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 uh, no, I'm trying to quit, mm-hmm. you know, and that means that, but that, that 
I'm not a smoker. I'm yeah, not. I'm not a smoker. The other way to say it is I'm not a smoker. But by saying I'm trying to quit, you're almost saying I'm, not I'm allowing myself it, maybe I can have one. I'm okay. trying to quit. Uh, you know, no, I, I'm not a smoker. I just yeah. identify as I'm a non-smoker now. Well, that works for alcoholism, right? Like first step of. Oh, recovery. I don't know. Does it? <laughs> well, well, I think so. That's okay. the first step in AA is I'm an alcoholic. You know. Okay. I'm recovering. I'm in recovery. Okay. As opposed to, well, I'm quitting drinking. I'm, you know, yeah, stopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have I don't have a serious problem. I'm, I I I have to be here. I don't know why I am. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just owning oh, it and owning okay. your identity. Yeah. Yes. That's very, very relevant to previous podcasts we've had. All right. So what do you have next on your bullet points there? So he references, there was another psychologist that did this study back in 1898, Edward Thorndike. Yep. And um, I saw in my I know notes, that guy. you know that guy, yeah. <laughs> he reverend, uh, a reverend, Edward, <laughs> he wasn't a reverend, he was a psychologist. Edward Thorndike laid the foundation of understanding how habits form and the rules that guide our behavior. He mm-hmm. had this cats in a box yeah. study where mm-hmm. um, behavior, and he, he basically concluded with, I guess they had to run through a maze to get out. And behavior is followed by satisfying consequences that tend to be repeated and those of less Satisfying consequences are less likely to be repeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right. So, he you- was during the time of behaviorism. Can I jump in for a sec? Sure, okay. sure. So, in operant conditioning with Skinner, you know, there's different reinforcement schedules. So, we're all familiar with positive reinforcement, lots of things, behaviors, habits are positively reinforced, especially when it's one on one. Like, you get, you do this thing and you get an immediate reward. This is a good way with parenting to get kids to potty train, <laughs> you know, um, to teach them to change their behavior. And there is punishment, negative reinforcement as well. So a continuous reinforcement cycle is one where you, like a candy machine, you put money into a machine, you get your candy right away, right? You get your paycheck every two weeks. That's a a fixed, you know, ratio. Now, the one thing that is difficult with habits sometimes is something called an intermittent variable schedule of reinforcement. Very powerful. This is with slot machine. You don't that, know. I know that's when. that's that's a mouthful, but okay. Intermittent. Say that ten times. Yes. Intermittent variable schedule of reinforcement. So basically, what that means is you don't know when your reward is coming. Slot machines are famous for this. Very very reinforcing. You keep putting money in because you do not know when you're going to get a payout. Mm-hmm. So it re- you do the habit over and over and over again. So you get rewarded and it's unpredictable. So those behaviors are harder to change because the person keeps doing it with the hopes of being rewarded. There isn't like a, okay, every third time, every fifth time, it's just variable. You don't know. And those behaviors, habits are more resistant to extinction, meaning getting rid of. It's hard to get rid of those habits. So if I was a chronic gambler, and I hear that, I get like a little, like, you know, my eyes widen. And, you know, whereas if I'm not a chronic gambler, it's just like noise. And I'm just like walking through the casino and it's just like whatever. Like when I walk through a casino. Yeah. But if I hear payout, I go, ooh. It's just really annoying. And you don't know when you're going to get the reward, you know. So that is, again, something that I look at with habit reversal training to see what it is that's reinforcing that habit. And then um, like the first step of that is noticing what habit you're doing first, having insight into how many times you're going for that snack, how many times you're biting your nails, picking your skin. It's always the first part is the conscious awareness of it. But yeah, the cats, I think, got out. 
of the box. Yeah, but he, and he also <laughs> referenced a data from Thorndike, I guess. that I was kind of laughing because I was like, a minute, 32 seconds. And again, I'm ad-libbing here. 45 seconds, 31 seconds. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, it's going down. It's going down. It's obviously, yeah, they figured out, okay, this is what I do. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, boom, I'm going to get out of here, and I know what to do. And I'm just going to do it. Well, it's funny he used cats because Skinner used pigeons. Skinner. That name rings a bell. Oh, yes. Never mind. Sorry. Bad joke, everybody. <sighs> anyway. So, again, what did, well, I'm sorry. So, Skinner used... Uh, uh, different animals. Rats have been used with hitting a, a lever in order to get like a... Pavlov used board. dogs. Yeah, Pavlov. That's right. Okay, I remember that from psychology class. Pigeons and I think rats possibly, but yeah, animals are... are rats are always used. Rats are. Right? You know, They're just so... It's sad. Yeah. 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 And you have to debrief them after and tell them this is the reason why we did this. Have you ever seen Ratatouille? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I just, you know what? They just, they get a bum rap. They, they get they, they get blamed for the bubonic plague. They really It do. was the fleas. It wasn't them. I know, right? You got to make sure they're taken care of. I know? tell you. <laughs> rats. Those poor rats. All right. Do you have? Any, I have a couple more points, but do you have anything else you want to add from your? Yes, I have. Uh, and it's kind of ironic because there's so many different similarities to our two books. books. And yeah. well, this one is it's a similarity in the sense that he has a four different categories, four tendencies. Mm -hmm. So he has here, and he does give reference to I guess the guy who really inspired him to research and write this book, Charles Duhigg. Yeah. I and I okay, and and this book is called The Power of Habit, and he. He just basically, he says, he even admits, he goes, I'm just piggybacking on this book. But he likes to think that he is, and again, I've read this book, but he's like taking the baton and continuing on where he left off. And, mm -hmm. but he really spells out the meat and potatoes of his book are these four laws or stages of habit. And they are cue. And the cue is something that catches our attention mm -hmm. that initiates the behavior. Craving, yeah. motivational force of every habit. Every craving is linked to a desire to change your internal state. Mm -hmm. Response, the actual habit you perform, whether a response occurs depends on how motivated you are, how much friction is motivated with the behavior, the response. And the response is about obtaining the fourth stage, which is the reward. So this satisfies your craving. This is the end goal of any habit. We chase after rewards because... They do two things for us. They satisfy our craving and they teach us which actions are worth remembering in the future. So they mm -hmm. teach us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. That's what I took mm -hmm. from the book as well, which is, again, this is not necessarily a book report, but it is a discussion. book, book <laughs> discussion. And again, it's, we're going to keep it light, but still, you know, talk about the, the bullet points. Well, the reason we integrated this because CBT is everywhere. Like, you know, now that I... Again, like the more I keep learning about it and the more we keep it. doing our podcast, the more I read and I Thread. they reference it constantly. Oh, it's in dog training, parent training. It's in habits. It's in you know, the media, it's just everywhere. Mm. Yeah. We're positively reinforced for these habits. Now, again, most people like immediate gratification, whether it's you lose 10 pounds, you go to the gym one time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or if it's the long-term realistic outcomes. So Gretchen also mentions this idea of people again, categorically being moderators or, or an abstainer. Okay. So a moderator is someone who can crave the, the dessert or the chocolate bar and take a bite, like a mini Hershey kiss or something, or, and then save some for later because taking a few bites helps to quell the craving immediately where an abstainer cannot do that. They would need to eat the whole dessert or the chocolate bar. So for abstainers, the desire increases with each bite. They want more and more and more. And for moderators, the desire decreases after the first bite. So I'm a moderator. I can have that little bit of chocolate and then that's good. 
So for, like I said, for abstainers, they have to know their type. I need to abstain from eating that or doing that behavior because I know I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole with it. So again, it's just not that one is better than the other. It's just knowing what works for you to change what you identify habits. more with, yeah. Right, and there's different things you can do, you know, tips for takeaway that you can do to change habits, which I'm sure you're all wanting to know. I believe he talked about it in his book too because I think you mentioned it. Pairing a habit to another habit, something you're already doing. I mentioned it in our mindfulness podcast, adding mindfulness to a habit you're already doing. Oftentimes, people are already doing routine things. They make coffee in the morning. Let's pair a habit to that. Checking email to coffee, let's Coffee, say. email, and that's just like a thing now. Yeah. Yeah, or checking your calendar and coffee. Brushing your teeth, taking your medication maybe at nighttime is something good to do with a habit that you're already doing. Pairing something low level, not anything too takes too much time. Right. We do things that are convenient to us. So making things convenient. Cues are great. I put things out by my door. Like, okay, I got to remember to take this to the post office. I put a post-it note up. Putting keys on a key rack. It's more convenient. Putting a trash can maybe in a strategic location to go through your mail. Shredder. People like fast food because it's convenient. They don't mm -hmm. have to take the time to prepare. We do spend more time with people we see at work every day. Maybe it's more convenient to have a conversation than go out of your way to call or text that person. Saving money. If you put like a money jar out, maybe you'll throw your coins in there and save your money. And it's a constant reminder of you. I mean, it's something visual that you're going to walk by. I'm a fan of the visuals. Yeah, yes. Definitely. Yep. Packing a bag for the gym, always having it in the car, having your sneakers in the Having your sneakers in the car. That's yeah. a big one for me. It like, is. Or just having like having something to change into just, hey, I found in 45 minutes that I didn't think I was going to have today because this canceled. Okay. Oh yeah. And yeah. then there's not the excuse of whatever. I mean, I'm a fan of bags. I love bags. So putting everything mm. in a bag is great. So I already have everything there. Not having to worry about it, especially on vacation. I already have everything in there. Again, it's easier to commit to a small behavior. Five minutes, I mentioned, just do five minutes of meditation. Just commit to doing it. Schedule it. Commit to five minutes of getting on the treadmill. Commit to five minutes of this. The other thing she mentioned, which I also incidentally tell patients, is delaying gratification. Wait 15 minutes. Distract yourself. You really want to urge to check email, to go on YouTube, to buy something, to eat something. Wait 15 minutes and see if the urge decreases. Mm. So that's the power of distraction for changing habits. That helps with smoking cessation, delaying the urge, one urge at a time. And also being forgiving if you fall off the wagon, like, okay, fine, I'm going to throw in the towel. I smoked or I ate that thing. Also just being realistic that it's a work in progress. Right. You know, give yourself, give, I mean, give yourself a chance. Well, <laughs> we're not quite there yet. Yes. It all goes back to that, doesn't it? It really does. Yes. It loops back to that. So I think we have a little game before we close our episode today. Is that right? Yes, we do. You know what? When you were going over all of those examples, though, yeah. about packing a bag and doing this and, you know, huh? trying to piggyback one habit on top mm. of another one to get all the good habits going on. I think about those things because I'm like, as you're going over them, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Those moments when I do prep like really well for the next morning. Oh yeah. And I thank myself. Like I want to go back in time to thank you because yeah. my morning is so much easier now right. as opposed to if I don't, I want to go back in time and smack myself in the face to 11 o'clock last night. Well, mm -hmm. why didn't you do this, this, and this? And it, almost like it's like I'm duplistic and I'm just like, yeah. you have to, yeah, but it brings me back to, yes, shocker, another quote, Benjamin Franklin, an ounce of prevention is uh -huh. worth a pound of cure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
it, it's it makes preparation, all the difference in the world. Planning and it does engage executive functioning and planning and time management. But if again, if you keep doing it, it becomes a habit. You always have those things in play to help you be more successful. And again, it has to be meaningful to you. If you don't give a crap about changing the habit, then okay, accept that this is your habit and don't whine about it. But yeah. it's like that's something that if you want to change these things for these higher value reasons, then these are steps you can do to, to get there. We do have a game, yeah. and what I have here is pretty simple: a thirty-year Harvard yeah. study. Long. Yes. This reveals five simple habits that may prolong your life by 10 years or more. Sign so, up. yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> l- listen. It's from Harvard, so I'll do it. So am I guessing? Yeah. So you're going to guess the top five here or in any random order. I mean, obviously. doesn't have to be. You know, doesn't have, do these, I get bonus points if I get No, that's not like, oh, that was number. It's not family feud. Yeah, am I so. getting positively reinforced for this? Yes, week? you will. Okay. Go, good job. Uh, okay. So verbal affirmation. Yeah. Do. Now go over the first one. Drinking water. I'm looking at the list and seeing if that can. Hydration doesn't count. <sighs> I mean, it's a byproduct or it's part of this. So think more broad, like not so specific. All right. Eating and drinking healthy. Maintain a healthy diet. Now, healthy diet, healthy diet that would obviously include. Well, that was my next guess. So we'll just combine number one and number two, healthy diet and water. Right. Yeah. I could categorize the healthy diet or the water into okay. obviously a healthy diet. So okay. And that is number one. Ooh, that's number yes. one. Shocker. By yeah. The way. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> having fun helps you live longer. It's not, but you know what? I think maybe it should. Laughing and having joy in your life? No, I mean, it's it, not. Although that's a very good one and it should be on there. Okay. Yeah. So exercising. Exercising is, daily is number two. Yeah. That's not the same. The, the, again, these these all really... Oh, okay. I have another one. These, these go obvious, more right? towards more the medical... Medical side. Not necessarily, you know, your... The mental health. Yeah. Sleeping regular, healthy and regularly. Um, really? No, it's no not. But sleeping. man... I tell you what, that is a medical, I mean, that's for both really. I mean, for your psychological well-being and obviously, you know, your health, your physical health. So no, that's not on here. It's not. All right. I have a really good one. Okay. Okay. I think this one it needs to be on there. Wearing sneakers. Wearing sneakers. <laughs> Why not? Wearing sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not on here. That's going to make you add 10 years to your life wearing those sneakers. Okay. Okay. Next. Okay. So maintain a healthy diets. Number one. Number two is exercise daily. Three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. Two of them, two of them have to do with I would think medication ba- bad habits. Bad habits. Think oh, of like bad habits. Yeah. All right. So not spiraling on social media and getting sucked into a wormhole of despair. Would that be on there? That. And again, that's the mind-body connection, but it's not on here. Think of another bad habit that is more immediately detrimental to your health that... Substance abuse, like There we go. Again, what were we raised to not do? So Drink and smoke. So drink and smoke, four and five, right there. So control alcohol, because they say... Moderation. Moderation. You know, wine is good Italians drink red wine. Exactly. And you know, another thing is, you know, it's funny that you say that because I want to look up, you know, a a game I think I want to look up one day for us to do is life expectancy. And what countries have culturally, yeah, culturally oh, or the yeah. longest. And I think Italy Europe is, is yeah, high and Asia definitely. Right, those two certain countries or certain you know like have in the United States. I guarantee you, we're low. I don't want to say guarantee, but I doubt we're in the top ten. Uh, well, I would venture to guess now. No, yeah, I, yeah, especially so, in this day and age. And then finally, number three, I'll just give it to you because it's kind of you like well, it kind of coincides with a healthy diet. Keep 
healthy weight. Okay, well, that's a byproduct of a healthy diet. If you're doing everything else, then you're exercising. Exercising, weight, and... And not smoking and drinking, then you probably are... I mean, I would think they all go hand in hand, but, you know... This is why I'm I'm making fun of the list. Well, no, it is, I mean, hey, I saw Harvard, and I thought... No, it's fine. I found it, it too. It's Harvard, you know? I said I'll do it, and guess what? I'm uh, doing all these anyway, so... Okay. I'm going to live 10 more years past Yeah, it. so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm I mean, but I like I like but, right? but when it says for number 5, don't smoke. You know what it reminds me of? That song? No, do don't you, drink, don't smoke. No, not that one. It was a commercial and I was or a kid. Scared the crap out of you. <laughs> Yul Brenner. You familiar with Yul Brenner? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yul Brenner died of lung cancer and he had this commercial and it was very Remember the lung, the black lung? He, you talking about that one? No, it was just lungs. him oh. and it was just his face yeah, basically and, and it was a close up to him and I don't know, he basically said, I'm Yul Brenner, and I don't know if he said he's dying of cancer, and he says, don't smoke. He was looking at the camera with this, oh my God, was it intense. And again, he's an actor, so, you know, obviously, you know, so let it be written, so it shall be done. I think that, well, he was in the Ten Commandments. I love them in Ten Commandments. But (laughs) that, I remember watching that commercial, and I go, it's scared the bejesus. I'm like, okay. Certain things, right? When I was a kid, it was impressionable. Changing habits, sometimes that's sufficient. Or remember the drunk driver thing at school? Oh. Mothers against drunk Oh, you're mad. Mad. Mother, oh yeah, we are my physics teacher. They was had a car. A, oh wait, do we have the same physics teacher? Mrs. Houghton? Yeah, I had her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're a historian, you remember. Yeah. So they put the car, remember the crashed car? Yes, now, in, in I, front. I imagine it wasn't a real person who died in that I car. hope not, because that's pretty dark. Yeah, even for the 90s. That's yeah, dark. it's like, okay, you're scared straight. I get it, I get yeah. it. The scared straight, I think, doesn't have much research behind it that it worked. Like the D.A.R.E. program and the LEAD program definitely doesn't work. Yeah. But also some people will quit a bad habit from a health reason. Again, having some accountability maybe to themselves or their family or their doctor. They have a heart attack and, oh, my God, they become healthy. Other people just keep going and they use that rationalization. You only live once. Well. You keep smoking even though you have lung cancer. It's it's funny you should say this. You know, COPD, you keep going. My brother has been smoking since he was probably 13, 14 years old for all I know. Very, very young. Yeah. And our father passed away of, of lung cancer a long, long time ago. And we knew that history. was you know, the history. Yeah. He didn't care. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, he... It won't happen to me, phenomenon. Well, well, what he what he continues... So, he references this gentleman that grew up in our neighborhood. Well, hey, we keep telling him, you got to stop smoking. You got to stop smoking. What are you, nuts? Uh, you know, two packs a day. And so, he would always reference Pop Musso. Pop <laughs> Musso smoked every day of his life. He smoked... A, I think he smoked pipes. And he's like, and he died asleep and he was 90 something years old that one and that's okay so that one guy right. <laughs> you're yeah. going to reference Had a ton of i don't know genetically sure luck or whatever yeah it's that one guy right so i go and visit him one day and he's very depressed and he's talking about i think my sister did tell me kind of clued me in and so they found a mass on his lung and he's like and he's like i'm quitting that's it mm-hmm. uh yeah you see i don't talk to him as often as my sister does it sounds like he's really gonna quit and she's just like and mm. yeah it sounds like that i've read this book i've seen this movie. And yeah, I've seen it many, many times yeah, before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, because her and my brother are a lot closer. They talk every day. So they live right next to each other pretty much. And so about another couple months later, come to find out the mass was nothing. He got lucky. 
what is he doing? Back to smoking. Yep. That's and, 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 I, and I'm like, are you or like, yeah. you were like, you know, I got it. He goes, he kept, God, please. I promise. I'm bargaining. I'll yes, tell you all what. The negotiating. Put that on the list. God's, uh, God's <laughs> he's got a long list with God. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, again, it has to be reason people have to create reasons for it. Well, it's too far gone now and I might as well, or I dodge that bullet. So yeah. You got this bonus story out of us after the, uh, after live the game. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I just felt inclined to just maybe think. Think it was. It's a nice story. That's a wonderful story. <laughs> well, it goes back to the reasoning. No, but I mean, it's, 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 it's yes, it, 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 it's yeah. relevant. That's the reason why I brought it up. Right. Making up reasons for continuing habits or bad habits, you know, and again, if you want to continue the habit, fine, just accept it and don't complain about it. That's what I said before. All right. So I think we're running out of time at this point. So as always, thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. Email us slash me if you have any questions at info at innerbalancepsychology.com. And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance. 